0: went black i'd like to thank everyone who stuck this out for uh this couple year period where this uh podcast has been uh not as active as it once was and i'd also like to thank everyone who migrated over here from from uh, metal matters and uh that was a great experience and uh i encourage everyone to continue listening to uh fred and mike over there and uh, they're doing a great job so far And I thank everyone who listens to our flagship Road to Ruin episode with me and Randy Larson. I know you guys uh, like when Randy comes on. We've been friends for decades at this point. And uh, last week was, uh, you know, kind of like a uh, origins of, you know, like when anyone out there reads comics, the comics out there will be um, familiar with the origin issue. You know, when you talk about how Spider-Man became Spider-Man or how Batman became, you know, a, a vigilante crime fighter, like that kind of thing. So this week, you've um, if anyone has listened to either this show or Metal Matters, you guys all know Jackie Smith, and uh, he, he's the host of Into the Necrosphere, and uh, he's come on this week. We're just going to bullshit, man. We're just going to have a, a BS session, but we're also going to uh, honor L. G. Petrov, the uh, legendary frontman of Entombed. Uh, a very important band. Um, there's been a lot of death over the last year. And uh, unfortunately, the Grim Reaper has claimed uh, LG Petrov. And uh, I was shocked. Well, I wasn't. I, I can't say I was shocked because I know that he was struggling with stage four cancer. But nonetheless, I was saddened by his passing. So, Jackie, how are you? Oh, good, man. Um...
1: Very, very busy at work, um, but very relieved that uh, the sun is starting to shine uh, in the UK. I'm, uh, you know, I'm feeling healthy and, uh, you know, podcast is uh, is kind of tick, t- ticking along. Um, Tuck, ticking along, ticking along. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, no complaints from my side, man.
0: Well, uh, you know, you mentioned that you're, you're healthy, which I'm glad to hear. But uh, I also you shared with me that you came down with COVID-19 so how is how is that exactly <laughs> <laughs> so like
1: I, like I i i i know we spoke about this uh before we before you started recording so uh, I'll, I'll kind of go back to where it started i very very rarely ever get sick i mean the last time i i visited a hospital for any reason i was two years old and it was to get um put into my ears i have Never been to a hospital. I, I, the, the last time I was sick to where I had to take a day off work was about five six years ago. And um, anyway, I, I, I woke up one morning feeling, you know, just like off. And it, it, I can't, you know, it, 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 I can't put my finger on exactly, you know, what was the first symptom to start coming on. But but I think you know what I mean when I when I say things things just didn't feel. Um, it, it, something just didn't feel right. Um, and as the day progressed, it started getting rapidly worse. Um, I started to feel feverish. I, I felt really, really tired. Um, I had this really weird taste in my mouth, like you know, that sort of seemed to overpower everything. And then again, to describe the, describe the taste, it just tasted like nothing. Um, and then, uh, and then I got a hit with fucking something diabolical in my stomach that. I, I can't, I, it was like if if, the, if the, the, the Xenomorph or Alien jumped out of my, my, my belly at any point <laughs> during, the, during the day, I wouldn't have been surprised. Oh, man. And actually, to be fair, be, be, because it, my, my stomach was, was what was bothering me most, I didn't actually think that I had COVID, but I was on a conference call, and I said to uh, one of my colleagues, like, I feel really shit. And she said, like, you know, what are your symptoms? And I mentioned, you know, I'm feeling a bit feverish. Um, You know, my taste is gone. My stomach is really killing me. And she said, you you need to go get yourself tested for COVID. And I was like, well, you know, I don't have a cough or anything. And she's like, no, well, stomach is is, is one of it. And uh, sure enough. I, I, I logged off pretty soon after that call. Literally, just got straight into bed, slept, you know, slept for about 14, 15 hours. Oh, man. Then my girlfriend dragged me to one of the uh, COVID testing centres. I got the, I got the whole kind of nose swab done and stuff again. Came back positive two days later. Um, I was lucky in that the the disease seemed to kind of come and go with me relatively quickly, and I've, I've been fortunate in my life that that's always been the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say from from the point where the, you know that I, I mentioned. So about five days in, it was just absolute hell. Um, you know, I, I felt like in addition to the, um, the, the the temperature and my stomach just being a complete mess, um, you know, I had a little bit of difficulty breathing. But the other thing that really got me was the headaches. And it, was, it wasn't a headache that I've ever felt before. I mean, I've had migraines and I've had headaches that I've had tension headaches and things like that, like, like everybody's had. But this was was literally like somebody was was standing on on the back of my skull with a steel toed boot for just hours on end, and it, it didn't matter how many painkillers I took, it just didn't go away. Um, but I, I the worst of it, I got out of by so this started on a Monday, and kind of by Saturday, I it was the first time that I kind of got out of bed and I started moving around and I was like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm starting to feel kind of human again. The one thing that it, that that it, it did leave me with though was my stomach was was probably fucked up for at least three, four weeks afterwards. Damn. And I also had the, the, the craziest heartburn that I've ever had in my entire life until very recently. Um, and it was something that started around about the, the, the time that that happened. So, you know, I, I, I think I, we, we mentioned this uh, offline, but I know a lot of people have very different experiences of COVID. And, and like I said, I mean, I didn't even think that I had it, but uh, it's whatever variant I had, fuck, it's passed. It's, uh, that's all I'll say.
0: Damn, that sounds uh, pretty extreme. But you 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 didn't have to go into the hospital at any time during this. No. Week. Okay, that's that's uh, good. Yeah.
1: No. So so fortunately, I kept the streak alive. So, <laughs> so I'm um, you know I'm, I'm turning 41 on uh, in two and a half weeks time actually. So uh, I, I've uh, fingers crossed I'll, I can keep the streak alive for at least another couple of years before I ever have to go to the hospital.
0: Nice. Yeah, man. I um. Was, we were talking about this too. I, I don't know how I haven't gotten sick, uh, I'm, and I'm not I'm not one of these nut jobs that lives in Texas or Florida who's just uh, throwing caution to the wind and partying like it's 1999. Like I, um, but I do take risks, man. And um, you know I live by myself. I don't have anyone here with me except for my cat, and uh, I don't really see anybody. But I do. Uh, go to the gym and train, and I'm, you know, in close quarters with with other guys and you know people in general, for a couple hours a day. But I, I get tested every two weeks. I'm always negative. Nobody at my gym has gotten sick, and I just feel uh, fortunate. And uh, at times, I kind of feel like I'm on borrowed time. Sometimes, like in my darkest moments, when I'm here by myself at in the middle of the night, and I feel like some kind of uh, you know, like, you know, you don't always feel good. You know, sometimes you feel a little under the weather, man. And I'm like, oh, this is it. I'm, I'm going to get COVID. And then I, you know, schedule a test and and I turn out to be negative. And I am so thankful for that because I hear stories like this. And uh, I am, you know, fingers crossed, keep the streak alive, as you say. Um, yeah. I just want to make it through this whole thing, you know. Yeah.
1: No, I, I mean – I I would definitely not say that, I mean, our gyms and stuff are shut yet. So, you know, the gyms haven't been open for um, probably like two, three months now. Um, You know, they were only open for a short period of time, um, you know, in between various lockdowns, Anyway, um, and I also live in the countryside, so it's not like I I have any way to go. I I think the only place I could possibly have caught it, um, I go and pick up my daughter every second weekend, and I, I meet her mother halfway. Um, between our, our two houses, and, and it's probably about an 80-mile drive um, to where I pick her up. There's a supermarket there, and I'm, I, I went to the supermarket, and I know that, and we bought a couple of things, and, uh, you know, came right out, got my doors, came home. Um, the only thing I could have picked it up from was the supermarket. Uh, there's, there's, there's literally no other place I could have been exposed to it, um, and, and how and where I picked it up there, I have no idea either. But uh, I mean, either, either way, my daughter actually had it too. Um, you know, quite a while back. She was probably like September last year. But uh, she's six years old. She she shrugged it off. Her, her response to me when I her mother sent me a text and said, oh, Meadow has uh, Meadow has COVID, and I was like, Oh shit, this is fucking terrible. Jumped on the uh, jumped on the phone straight away. You know, called her up, and her first words to me was, Yeah,
0: I've got COVID. What's the big deal? <laughs> well, oh, good for her, man. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. yeah
1: I, had a, but...
0: I had a family member uh, get it, and um, it's very odd because um, it's my cousin, and he's married. They have a kid, and uh, his wife is uh, very extreme, and uh, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, she had, She required everyone to wear a mask, even in the house. Like, in the family unit. So, they would sit around watching TV with all with masks on, okay? oh shit. And I'm like, okay, you know, hey, you got to... Whatever makes you comfortable, man, you know, do you. I'm, like, not going to judge anyone for wearing a mask or doing whatever. You got to make yourself feel safe, you know? Despite all of these precautions, my cousin still ended up getting COVID-19. And, uh, you know, then he was banished to the basement until it ran its course and he got tested and he, you know, came up negative and then he was allowed to rejoin the family. So, yeah, it's, the whole thing is so fucking mysterious to me, man. It is, it is. I mean, I, I haven't looked
1: at the numbers recently but I know Sweden as an example. I mean, their, their curve seemed to be very similar to a lot of other European countries that, that had really, really strict lockdowns and I mean, most people know um, Sweden didn't block down whatsoever. Um, you know, they, they had like you know, a couple of guidelines and things like that. But as far as I know, that's about where it ended. Um, it 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 might have changed since, but it, it is it is weird. Um, I mean, again, I, I don't really know what the what the disparities between Texas and California uh, at the moment. Um, but again, I you mean, know, you know, Texas has been a lot more lax with uh, with their COVID rules, obviously. Um, but I think in terms of deaths per uh, per hundred million or deaths per million, I think California is still Pretty
0: they have yeah they they definitely got hit really hard and uh, you know they they did have very extreme measures put in place uh, Texas you know applied that cowboy mentality which uh, you know of course I have issues with being being a cowboy in uh, the 21st century um, you know and and they've they've also had a lot of problems as well as uh, as Florida you know and, uh... Yeah, so I'm
1: I'm just looking at the at the numbers now. So New Jersey was was worst hit in terms of deaths per 100,000 people, 268 deaths for 100,000 people. Then straight off, you've got New York, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, uh, and then I mean it must be like 21st or 22nd is Texas. Florida is is uh, three spots on, sandwiched yeah. between
0: Ohio and District of Columbia. Yeah, I imagine the population density in uh, the Northeast probably has a lot to do with that as well. Yeah, no, for sure. You, know, you can drive for days in Texas and not see anybody. But, um, it's all the barbecue that they eat.
1: <laughs> the, the, the pepper in the barbecue kills yes. off the disease. Yeah, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Or Leatherface just eats everyone that's uh, infected. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, in general, I feel like things are improving over here. Um you know the vaccines rolling out uh you know whatever people have their feelings about that i uh, i have full intention of getting vaccinated when it's available for uh for you know people in my uh bracket and uh i'm hoping to get the johnson and johnson one because that's the more satanic of um <laughs> of the uh the vaccines that's the one that's the, uh, the christians don't right like yeah you're embracing the
1: microchip being implanted under your
0: skin, so you could be uh, subservient to the beast. Well, the the um, the Christians have a big problem with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine because uh, apparently it utilized uh, stem cells from uh, aborted embryos. So uh, yeah, if a Christ, if Christians have a neither. problem if Christians have a problem with it, then I'm good with it. You know? <laughs> then, then, then that's a, it's an immediate endorsement.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think over I mean, yeah year, we, we don't really have a choice what we get. Um, obviously, it's socialized medicine. So you get um, you get a letter in the, the post or I think you get a, a text message from your GP and they just say, right, it's your turn, come in. So, um, but as far as I know, I mean, over I mean, here year, it seems like um, statistically, we've rolled out the vaccine far quicker than any other European country. Um, and what they've said here is they... They, I know the gym's reopened in April, which is a godsend. Um, May time, I think they're going to reopen all of the restaurants and bars and things like that, and the plan is to have lockdown lifted entirely by June.
0: So let me let me uh, just for clarification, in England right now, everything's still closed for the most part. Yeah.
1: Wow. yeah, almost everything is still shut. I mean, I'll be I'll be very honest with you, it doesn't really feel like a lot of people are paying attention. Um, like as, as an example I, I went to do, I drove to go fetch my doors this evening and uh, it is I mean the roads are really busy uh, it's, it's not you know people clearly aren't you know sitting in, indoors you know trying to keep them there shielding themselves and their families um, but restaurants are shut um, you know most stores are shut uh, gyms are definitely shut um, you know so all of that sort of thing is is still being enforced pretty pretty heavy um, And
0: and that's obviously not going to lift. There's a timeline to lift everything. Yeah, I, um, you know, things out here are phasing. And I I just had a couple of days off from work. So I I went down to Red Bank in New Jersey, went to a comic book store. I actually ate outside at a diner for the first time in over a year. And uh, it felt weird. I got to be honest. It felt uh, kind of uncomfortable, but it was nonetheless still very enjoyable i was sitting outside my interaction with the waitress felt weird because i hadn't ordered food from someone in a long time you know and yeah i was so like preoccupied with the idea of what i was doing that i i forgot what i wanted to order and i just ordered something completely different than i had initially initially intended so, yeah, yeah
1: well, we, we had this brief like pause in everything last year and, you know, the restaurants and stuff opened um, and it was great. I mean, you know, you had to sit a little further apart than you normally would, um, you know, but we made full full use of that. You know, I, I, I say out in the middle of nowhere, but we do have a lot of really nice country pubs, um, you know, probably within like a 20, 25 mile radius from us. So, you know, it's, it's nice on a Sunday to jump in the car and just go and find one. And go there and have lunch.
0: Um, and and we, did, we definitely did that. But yeah, come uh, Christmas time, they shot everything. Wow. You know, it's funny. I, I um, earlier today I went down to our practice space, and uh, you know, I, we, you know, we've we've actually been rehearsing, we're filming shit, and you know, that that at least the band stuff is still full on for the most part. You know, as much as it can be without playing gigs. But I was driving back, and. Um, I, there's like mad strip clubs down here. So it's like I'm driving back to my place and I, I, and it dawned on me. I'm like, strip clubs are open. There's like all these cars like in the parking lot. And I wonder if strippers are wearing masks while they're dancing.
1: <laughs> but there, wasn't there some massive protest or there, there was some big thing to try and get strip clubs and brothels reopened in Vegas <laughs> um, last year? I'm trying to think exactly where I where I read about it, but, uh, you know. Not that I visit particularly nefarious sites, but I do. I, I I know there was like a big, there was a big deal made about it because obviously, you know, um, as far as uh, transmission is concerned, you know, if you're going to get it. You can get it through, uh, you know, visiting a uh, a lady or a gentleman of ill repute. But um, I mean, again, I, I doubt very much the strip clubs are open. Yeah, uh, that's for sure.
0: I, I just think it's funny that what's open and what's not. Like this, I mean, hey, I, yeah. I I am myself personally i'm not a big fan of strip clubs like I've been to my share over the years, but it's just very they're very sad to me you know and um and it makes me feel uh you know uncomfortable and kind of weird being in a strip club and um I just don't enjoy it, you know what I mean and I'm not trying yeah. to like uh, you know I'm not trying to get points with anyone here I'm just being honest you know you don't tell your aunt
1: hey ladies, just so you know, I'm not one of those guys. Yeah, I, um, I, uh,
0: I'm a good listener, um, and I don't go to strip clubs, and I'm uh, creative, you know, artistically inclined. So any women out there, nah, nah. Yeah. no, no.
1: I, no, I, uh, I, I know what you mean. I, you know, back in my uh, in my wild days, my 20s, um, you know, when I was doing like my first, right, my first job where I was earning actual money, I mean, I I spend an, ex, an extortionate amount of money in strip clubs, but that's uh, <laughs> way behind me now. I mean, I'm too fucking stingy. I mean, I, I'm stingy on one hand, but I've got expensive hobbies on the other. Um, you know, so when you get into uh, when you get into high end hi fi, you know, any time that I I think of doing something like that now, I'm like, well, I could be spending it on this cable, or I could be spending it on, you know, I could be putting money towards a new amplifier or something, you know equally nerdy like that Uh, i just i I couldn't i couldn't imagine partying with that amount of money now um and certainly not as easily as i used to when i was young
0: yeah it's uh yeah the money thing too man it's like in in the the times i've gone there they they really want you to spend money on drinks and uh you know and and then you know there's all this other weird shit that goes on which is like kind of strange uh Dude, they're fucking amazing. I mean, you know, in, in terms of their ability to—and i have more, more power to them.
1: I'm, I'm fully supportive of women doing that. If, if guys want to be idiots and be gullible and fall for that sort of thing, um, you know, like I said, go for it. But they—they—they're they're brilliant in the way that they can get guys to part with their money, and and the guys feel like they're they're you know gaining from the bargain. You know, they, they always say like a sale is made when both sides are
0: happy, and the guys are fucking ecstatic. Yeah, I mean. That dynamic of like the kind of like, uh, you know, like the, the, the male f- frailty <laughs> being because, you know, I mean, the reality is that we're, men are, are are pretty frail. Their egos are very delicate. And um, yeah, I mean, we're scared, you know, of women sometimes. And that that's played out in those kinds of dynamics. And, um, you yeah. know, I'm not once again, man, I'm not criticizing anyone out there. You guys want to. That's your thing. Great. Good for you. For me, I just put my, you know, I, I like other things and, and I don't like to, you know, it's just not my kind of thing. And I mean, I've in the last few years on tour, like sometimes you're in a situation where it's like you're with your, you know, your, your guys and your band and someone's like like a friend of ours in Portland. Um, you know, she worked at a strip club. She wasn't a stripper, but she worked there. So she's, you know, after we played a show in in Portland, she's like, oh, let's go to the whatever. And we're like, all right. I'm like, "Okay, well, you know, why not? And it's just it's just kind of boring to me. And um, I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, maybe uh, I don't know. It's just not my kind of thing. But in Portland, there's a lot of this female empowerment stuff going on, which that's pretty cool, you know. But um, I just don't get a lot out of it, you know. No, and I'm the same. I
1: agree with you. It, nowadays, you know, again, when I, was, you know, when I was in my early 20s, it was the fucking best thing on the face of the earth. But um, <laughs> when, um, you know, as, as I've grown older, it's, it, it's just it, I've, the, the novelty has worn off. And, you know, now I kind of, I, I, uh, I, for a period of time, about probably four years ago, I dated a, a girl who had an OnlyFans uh, page, and she... She showed me how the sausage just, made um, and some of the weird shit I saw there, it just kind of, you look at it and you go, I don't ever want to, I don't want to be associated with people like that, with, not, not people like her, but people that would, you know, pay her to do the stuff that they, they have her do. And anyway, she was just on camera. She never did anything beyond that. But I mean, like, Anna's, as an example, she showed me, when she first told me the story, I didn't believe her, and she actually showed me the message exchanges to, to confirm it. A guy paid her 3,000 pounds to get on camera and insult him for a half hour straight. Literally just jump on, cam- jump on camera and berate him and call him an asshole. And so I said to her, well, you know, is this some super rich, you know, finance wizard who just has so much money that he's bored and he, you know, he, he just wants to get his rocks off in like a weird way. And she was like, no, he's a, he's a like, total working stiff. He's a driver for a, for a courier company. And that was his Christmas bonus. Oh, man. That he used to fulfill his, his wish. And she said to me, like, you know, I actually feel bad sometimes because it's so easy with some of these guys. Like, they just desperate. They have this weird, like, uh, fetish or this weird craving to do a certain thing. And they'll just pay whatever you wh- whatever you ask them to to do it.
0: Yeah, man. I I'm going to, in the immortal words of uh, Dick Rude in uh, Repo Man, I blame it all on society. I just think that uh all this kind of like weird neurotic things that go on have to do with just this like fucked up world we live in and how we interact as people and i don't know just no, i agree yeah, it's, well I, it's, it's like
1: a, a lack of connection in people nowadays you know it's, increasingly people live their lives entirely online entirely in their, their social media echo chamber and they don't. the, the weirdest thing is when you try to speak to them in, in real life they're incredibly awkward You know, an incredibly kind of shy and retiring. You know, can't communicate properly, can't speak precisely. And then, you you know, when when they're on Twitter under, you know, whatever fucking stupid superhero avatar hashtag they are, um, you know, they're they're, 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 they're the bravest people under the sun.
0: Do you uh, you you go on Twitter a lot? Is that is that is that a a platform that you fuck around with?
1: No, I, I use it for into the necrosphere. Uh, I used to be on it um, like in a personal capacity, but it's never been it's never been something I've had any any particular interest. I mean I, I have no interest in in arguing with people about anything online. and you know, I think Twitter personally is accessible. I mean I, like I think all social media quite frankly, if it I, I use social media for the most part for um, you know to keep in touch with family back in South Africa uh, because it's just it's just easier than phoning people every, every you know once a week. And then I use it for into the necrosphere. But if, if it were up to me, I, I wish social media could be eradicated. Basically, uh, I think it's worse. I think from a, you know, you're talking about society. I think it's, it's, it's the it's the worst thing in my opinion. One of the worst things to happen to to, to civil society in, in our lifetimes.
0: I 100% agree, man. And and I, um, I mean, I, I, I don't ever go on Twitter. I mean, I have everything like auto posted, you know, and, uh, you know like you just for promoting stuff that's going on for example you know like the podcasts and the band and you know whenever i write something that's cool i you know i put it out there but like i don't i don't go on there looking to fight with people or or check out some sketchy like news source or something like that you know yeah that's the thing and and, and everybody on twitter is a
1: fucking expert in something you know whether it's politics or you know they're they're an, uh, an expert in uh, you know airborne viruses or <laughs> or, or climate change and it, it, it just it's 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 absolutely it's mind-boggling to me how people can get drawn into it the way that they do.
0: Um, yeah, it's I I, I mean I, I agree that it's it's sort of the bane of our existence right now and and you know just without getting into another tangent about politics, it's the unwrap yeah. the unraveling of our society in some ways is just it's so easy to misinform people or disinform people. You know, and yeah. manipulate people and that's you know, that's that's like one of the biggest obstacles I think worldwide. That well the, well this is true. this is the thing, you know, the, the part of the problem with social
1: media is that it, it gave every fucking idiot with an internet connection um, license to, 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 to be an expert. It it created this idea in their minds that they that their voice Counts and their voice should be heard. Whereas, you know, back in, back in my day, uh, you know, you needed to have some credentials about you to appear on the news. You know, you needed to, you know, you to have, you know, education. You needed to, you needed to have a, a track record in, in your field of expertise to appear as an as, as an expert on the news, or you know, to write a book or whatever the case may be, or, or you know, to be in a position where you're kind of held up as a thought leader. You know, I think you kind of have these dual tangents at the moment where. We've got this crazy uh, that, you know, everybody has five minutes of fame on social media phenomenon combined with this this notion in, in society where celebrities are held up as these deities and these these idols. And I mean, it, 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 it is it kind of collides and, and creates the clusterfuck that you see before us. I mean, it, it, it's at a point where Twitter is actively informing political policy.
0: In the U.S. And, and in other
1: particularly Western countries.
0: I, I just find it insane. Yeah, it's, it is very, very crazy. And, you know, very, like, disconcerting, you know. Yeah. I mean, I might even go a step further and say just mobile technology <laughs> kind of sucks. Because I, <laughs> I you know, though I enjoy some, you know, I mean, hey, I, I understand that having a mobile phone with, uh, you know, for navigation purposes and information is great. But, you know people can get to you any time of the day man and i i never fucking liked that about having a mobile phone you know what i mean yeah, yeah. And, and i remember and i i probably talked about this a few times already but like back in the heyday of the 90s like when i was like a you know a young man you know coming through the world i just remember being able to get away from everyone like i lived in a house you know i was like 23 years old or whatever and like i lived in the house with a bunch of other you know reprobates that you know punk rock guys whatever and uh you know we we had a landline and i would come home from work and i would just go out i would go walk one time i walked for like just two two hours just by myself like way out i lived in boston at the time so i was like in the suburbs i'd left the city limits and i was out in a town called arlington just on foot, you know what I mean, and uh, no one was able to get in touch with me. No one knew where I was. There was no messages. There was no texting. I wasn't looking at Instagram. I wasn't taking photographs. So, Cho, check this out. You know, or, this is what I had for dinner.
1: Mm-hmm. And when I
0: got home, there was like a message on our message board that you know someone called me or whatever, and that was how. And I'm like, ah, I'll call back tomorrow. You know what I mean? And um, I just remember mentally. Being in a, in a way more positive space during those days, you know, than I am now. Now I'm like, I'm always anxious. I always have like, you know, oh yeah, someone's trying to get a hold of me for this. Or my job is like, you know, trying to use like MS uh, teams to contact me about something, you know. Or, oh yeah, this email came from the record label or, you know, this and that. And, you know, social media, blah, 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 all this crazy shit, you know. Yeah, the
1: noise never ends. I watched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again the other night, and I, and I was first thought that came to mind as I was about three quarters of the way through um, through watching the movie. I was like, the sixties weren't perfect, but man, I would have fucking loved to have lived in that time. Oh, life, life to me just seemed to have so much, so much more richness and so much more meaning to it than it does now.
0: I would say that extended all the way into the right before mobile technology, man. I think that yeah. people, you had to, like, if you wanted to interact with somebody socially, you had to be with them, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, and if you wanted to be alone, you could really be alone, man. And and that's, you know, that I like that. Like, nowadays you're never really alone because you have this leash that connects you to everyone.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it also extends right through to music. I've, I've lamented this a lot on uh, on my own podcast but i i really believe that mobile technology the internet ultimately ended up devaluing uh music you know uh, you know I, I i suspect you're a little older than i am but you you have come from the same school of thought where you know back in the day when you know you were getting new music uh you know for, for me a lot of the stuff that i was getting was speculative because i didn't know anybody around me who listened to any of the stuff that i was into um, you know, I was just kind of getting into into all these things by myself. Eventually, uh, you know, I, I met up with somebody who's now, you know, one of my best friends or to this day, actually. You know, and he and I would kind of, you know, we would we would page through a, a nuclear blast catalog trying to cipher some of the German in there. <laughs> um, and then if a band sounded cool to us, then we would order that. And then you'd have to wait three months for the box to arrive. And then, you know, when it does finally come, I mean, that, that, that CD or those CDs that you bought, that's like the most... Prize possession or well, the most valuable thing to you for at least the next six months. But there was like a there was a magic to that, and there was like a, a sense of discovery there. You know, you you made friends through you know the tape trading scene and all those sorts of things. And then when when people got to a point where they can literally just hit hit play on Spotify and whatever music they want to hear is is you know seconds away, it's um, I, I think that it, I think that it devalued I think that it devalued the art. Um, and I think you, you see that translated in, into how people um, behave at shows as an example. Um, you know, I, I remember being at shows in like 2002 or 2003 and the crowds were going fucking insane. I mean, just, just like you, you, you'd be at a Slayer show and you, you, you'd literally be afraid for your life. And then I, 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 I contrast that to my experience of seeing uh, Slayer on their final show uh, here in, uh, in the UK when they played at, uh, at Wembley. And there were people head banging. There was a little mosh but that opened up. But I mean, everyone for the most part just stood staring at the stage, and and I thought to myself, like, there you go. That that is literally if 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 ever that's that's a. I mean, either, either it's it's caused by the fact that Slayer fans got old, or it's caused by by the fact that too much you know, too much is available to people and they no longer appreciate it the way that they used. to.
0: I think you got a point there, actually, about too much being available and, like, unlimited, you know, like, options, you know. But I have to say about Slayer, I, I have two very different uh, experiences over the last couple of years. When Slayer did that, um, uh, what is it, like, the mo- uh, monster energy drink thing they did? I don't, I don't know what the hell it is. In- Inferno or whatever. It's like they do, they, they were doing these, like, package tours that would have a, them as a headliner and they'd have, like hell yeah would be on the bill or something like that and uh but it was the year that it was slayer and king diamond which was awesome and i saw them at the uh, pnc arts center out here in jersey and um there was like i mean (laughs) i gotta tell you man it looked like there was like maybe 100 people at the show and uh it was like outside in this like you know uh pavilion you know and, and stuff like that and It was, there were so few people that we actually were able to go from the cheap seats on the lawn and actually sit down in the pavilion. You know what I mean? That's how empty it was. All right. Mm. Their farewell tour, same venue, fucking packed, and people just going nuts. Like people on the lawn going crazy too. And of course, that, I mean, that was like a stacked bill. It was like, You know, Behemoth, Anthrax, you know, it was like an insane testament played. It was like an amazing show. And probably the fact that it was their final, you know, farewell tour, allegedly, um, that people were were just coming out. But it made me feel good that they were able to, like, send us all off with, like, a, a sick, like, show like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. They were. They, I mean, they, don't get me wrong. They were great when I when I saw them at Wembley uh, for that last show. I, I, you know, I thought they played a
1: great show. That I would have preferred them to ditch most of the new stuff out of the set list, but you know, you can't have uh, you can't have it all. But uh, they, they're they're very very good, and you know, we we have, we've got a really cool. Uh, lineup here as well they had obituary uh opening for them they also had anthrax uh their lamb of god lamb of god were great the obituary were fucking awesome and it was i was so happy that obituary were invited to be on that tour because i i felt like you know they deserved that degree of comeuppance yeah um but uh yeah it's just it, it, the, the the audience just they they didn't that kind of um that I don't know if the word is, frenzy, but you know that that real sort of adoration and that that, that passion that you that you had in audiences in the nineties and, and the early two thousands, I haven't really seen it anyway. The only time I actually ever saw it was at a at a show, and I'd say that's that's the first time I've really seen that in the last kind of ten years. I've been to tons of death metal, black metal, you know, bigger bands, smaller bands. It, it, it I, I just think that people are they're spoiled. It's not like when we were. Like when we were coming up, um, you know, just getting a, a music video of a band sometimes would be like the, the most amazing thing ever. Uh, you know, getting like a, a shitly recorded live clip of a band. I remember when I um, when I was getting into death metal, um, you know, Morbid Angel or one of the gateway bands. I remember getting, um, and and maybe it was more so in South Africa because we also only got MTV when I was about. You know 15 or 16 years old i got a uh, uh an interview that david vincent did in 1993 with vanessa lorick and that was like these very short clips of them playing live on but i mean i must have watched that that video three four hundred times just to see those little clips you know and, and every time you see it you're so you're so excited it's like you know all your christmas has come at once um <laughs> yeah but it's because it was it, it, it because it was so difficult to get a hold of all of that stuff
0: Yeah, yeah, I I like that, man. And I don't know if you you probably might not remember this, but there was also, um, this might have been a little bit before your time, there was, like, these video magazines that would come out, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, there would would be, like, and a lot of it was, like, you know, kind of more in the... uh, modern primitive you know industrial kind of thing like you'd have like video like these video magazines or like crash worship and stuff like that and um you know throbbing gristle and all that you know sort of cum transmissions and all i i really miss stuff like that because now it's like all you got to do is like pull your phone up and look on youtube and see all these things but yeah you know it's too populist you know it's not doesn't doesn't cater to the the elitism that i like you know <laughs>
1: yeah. Well I mean you know again like the way that I used to choose music back in uh you know backwards back in those new global last catalog days, I would literally because I, I didn't have enough I, I didn't have enough money to afford every metal magazine and and then you know because they were imported and I was living in South Africa, metal magazines were really expensive. So I'd go to the news agent, you know, dig around and find a copy of Metal Maniacs or Terrorizer or Rip or whatever was there. And then I would page through it and any band that looked badass or had a t-shirt on that looked cool, or if I read a review of a band that that, that you know the way they describe it, it sounded cool, that's what we'll go onto the uh, onto the order. You know, and, and the, the stuff that I discover that way, you know, it's a fucking laundry list of great music, you know, Samile Ceremony of Opposites, uh, you know, Moonspell, Wolf Art and under the Moonspell. I remember buying those two at the same time. Uh, I, I bought uh, the, the first two Septic Flesh records that way. Immortal, Battles of the North, Emperor, In uh, the Nightside Eclipse, Burzum. I mean, it was like one, just one great find after the other. But I didn't know anyone who was into that, so I was discovering all of that stuff myself. And but that was part of the fun.
0: Yeah, man, that's 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 like one of the best ways to find good stuff It's just on a weird, just go off on a whim, because it looks cool, you know? Yeah. So the last year, there's been a lot of death, man. Um, you know, people have lost loved ones, and and uh, a lot of uh, luminaries in the music and the arts world in general have uh, passed. And most recently, LG Petrov from uh, from Entombed, the legendary vocalist, uh, passed. And have you are you uh, an Entombed fan? Yeah, massive Entombed fan. Um, and when I mentioned before about you know
1: gateway bands, uh, you know, Morbid Angel was one uh in two was definitely another um i think if i hadn't discovered uh wolverine blues um you know i think i wouldn't have made the transition into extreme music quite as quickly as i did uh, but you know that 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 record was you know one that there was a lot of hype around at the time so it was another one of those kind of speculative discoveries um but you know as soon as i as soon as i got it i, I remember just you know playing that record to death for probably about two three months straight um, you know, and it's still something when, when the news about LG came, I went back and I listened to a lot of the old stuff again. And it's still a record that, that really holds up well to this day. Um, you know, I know a lot of people when it came, I didn't like it because it was such a step change away
0: from Left Hand Path and clandestine. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's an awesome record. Yeah, Wolverine Blues, uh, though I was into death metal, um, was, was the record that drew me in because it was so catchy. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was like... You know, there was like a lot of melody in those riffs, and uh, Petrov's vocals had this like, uh, you know, you could identify with it if you were into like rock music. You know, there were these kind of blues, bluesy riffs, which um, I often I also found that interesting that they were Swedish and they were into the blues. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, 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 and a lot of people really dug on that record. Though I, I mean, I like nihilist and you know all you know left hand path, clandestine, like those are great records. And I, I liked them. But I think when Wolverine Blues came out and it was such a departure, it really piqued my interest because I never really considered like death metal having that crossover into like rock music. You know what I'm trying to say?
1: Yeah, yeah. And yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. And I, I absolutely agree with you on, on how catchy it is. I mean, you know, the, the song Wolverine Blues, uh, Blood Song, uh, Hollow Man, you know, the, the, the kind of standouts from that um from that record. I mean they they super catchy and super memorable. And the thing for me as well, it's always been that way and it, and it still is to this day. I, I I like bands that have kind of a uniqueness to them and I also like it when a record or on a record with the songs sound self-contained. Like I can remember one song from the next. Um, you know, which is why a lot of death metal put me off and, and continues to put me off because you know, a lot of it is 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 extremely technical, incredibly well played. Um, but if you you know if you put a gun to my head and say, you know, give me a give me a lyric or give me like a memorable moment of the album after I've listened to it for the, you know first couple of times, I, I'd be hard pressed to do so. Uh, but you know, all blue Blues totally different. You know, the first time that you hear. That, that ending of, of blood song, you know, where, where LG is, you know, just yelling, I suck your blood and then right at the end, I fuck your blood <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 fucking stupid, but it's stupid in a brilliant way, you know what I mean? Like and you had that a lot with those nineties bands as well. You know, there was always like a they would sometimes take the take the theatrics to this like very I think knowingly tongue in cheek place. But it's something that to this day I just I love. It's like it's like a great horror movie. You know, that has, like, a part that's knowingly cheesy, but cheesy in a totally
0: brilliant way. Did you, uh, I I don't know if we ever talked about this, but did you read comic books, too? Yeah, 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 I love comic books. All right, so, you know, for me, Wolverine was, like, one of my favorite characters. Or still is to this day, actually. And, uh, when I saw that they had a record called Wolverine Blues with Wolverine, I was like, man, this is, like, all got my name all over it. You know what I mean? yeah and uh yeah it's like as far as like the i've always been more of a fan when it comes to death metal of of the more raw um you know kind of brutal death metal as opposed to the tech stuff too yeah um, same, yeah. yeah i think like morbid angel probably is the perfect balance between technical and and just great songwriting you know what i'm saying
1: yeah no i agree like for, for me the bands that the, 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 the death metal bands have really got me into the genre, you know, outside of Morgan Angel and the were side I, I, I think those first three Side records are phenomenal. Um, Bolt Thrower. Um, oh, yeah. You know, Bolt Thrower had the groove. You know, Obituary I mentioned as well. I've I, I always loved them. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it, it, it was always the bands that kind of sounded unique, had their own sound, had their own vibe, um, you know, but they had memorable songs and, and sometimes kind of had that rawness to them as well. Um, rather than something that's super technical, I I, I appreciate it and you know really respect people that are able to play like that. Um, but it's, especially when, when death metal kind of you know sort of moving in that in that tech death direction that that it, you know in, in kind of uh, the early two thousands you have bands like Brain Girl and stuff like that. I mean I just it, it just left me. You know, I, maybe it was because at the time I was I was you know also probably starting to get more seriously into black metal, but. It, it just didn't do anything for me. I, I was I wasn't excited by it. It doesn't sound aggressive to me. It doesn't sound menacing. I need a I, I I you know I sometimes kind of jokingly say it, but I genuinely do mean it. I need a degree of menace in music to enjoy it.
0: Absolutely, and I think that a lot of the tech bands kind of take the the the, the punch out of death metal in some ways. You know, and yeah, and, uh, you know, it's like I, I appreciate the technique because I'm not in I'm not a um, like, I don't consider myself to be very technical when it comes to playing guitar. Uh, so I admire the ability to do that. But then again, like, when I've seen some of these bands perform, I'm like, oh, man, you guys are, like, kind of missing the point of all this, you know? It's like, you know, I started playing guitar because I wanted to, like, learn how to play, like, Slayer riffs and, like, meet meet slutty chicks and stuff like that, you know what I mean? And, like, get, it, get into, like, fucking satanic shit, you know, and stuff, and, Yeah, And I don't think these guys have the same, uh, you know, kind of, I don't think that's why they're doing it. They're doing it because, like, they are these, like, uh, you know, guitar teachers and they went to school for technique and and all that. And that's great. But that's not for me, really. You know, I like the the grimy, Uh, the grimy or something. I agree.
1: And the thing is, when you see them play live, what they're doing is so intricate and so complex. They can't really do anything live. So the shows are dull as fuck. Yeah um you know again by contrast i remember seeing entom play in london probably around the time that inferno came out so it was like 2003 2004 it was a fucking awesome show i mean you know the the songs have those those peaks or those breakdowns or those really memorable bits where when you, you even though the sound is a ship life you all you they, they they still stand out to you but because they they they're probably you know by by comparison to the brain drill very easy to play um, you know, the, the band goes nuts on stage. You know, LG is super animated. It's, it's just like a, there's a vibe to that that I would take 10 times over, you know, just, just four guys standing there playing the most technical music that, that they can. Again, you know, I have to talk to you if you like that sort of stuff. It's, it's just not my thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And, and there are some technical bands I really enjoy, but like by and large, it's not my thing that I go to you know
1: what i mean yeah like like for me technical stuff that i enjoy when it comes to death metal um, I, I think suffocation is pretty technical so and i, and I love them and dying fetus um, but you know dying fetus is a different kettle of fish altogether um, you know the, the the breakdowns and the heaviness of of, of the fetus is what uh, is one of the main reasons i'm into them
0: oh dude uh, both of those bands have the most like knuckleheaded beatdown parts that in all of death metal in my opinion, yeah, you know? and yeah, yeah, I love, yeah, yeah, I love both bands. You know, they're great, and they are technical, uh, super technical.
1: I, I, just, just kind of um, pivoting back to what I said about shows that you know had a particular vibe or where you where you feared for your life. The first time I saw Suffocation, it was probably one of the only times that I thought this place is going to, someone is going to get murdered here this evening because the people were. Absolutely losing it and, and Frank Mullen as a as a front man is so great because he's got such a he's got such a commanding presence. You know, he, he does that kind of weird thing where he doesn't really head bang. he looks like he looks like a, a fucking movie villain playing an organ or something. He just moves his head and like looks at the audience and the audiences respond and audience go nuts. Um but uh, yeah, what of the model band?
0: Yeah, they're they're fucking legendary out here too, man. Like, especially being in the tri-state area, like Suffocation is like one of the kings. I mean, them along with Immolation and uh, Incantation are like yeah. some of the uh, the most uh, revered bands out here.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think actually, you know, we we we, we, we slag on um, uh, what's some on on technical stuff, but Immolation's very technical too. And I think I think again, I think the difference is. Those bands prioritize songwriting. Technicality just happens to come along with it because they're such great players.
0: Exactly. And that and that's kind of like, I, I would say this, you know, along with like my statement about Morbid Angel, those bands have, um, the songwriting is the number one thing. And yeah. the fact that they shred hard beyond belief is just a, you know, that's just the way they do it for them, you know. Yeah. Well, with Morgan Angel, the ancient
1: ones are the most important thing.
0: And as long as Trey is making them happy,
1: then, <laughs> then everything else is fine.
0: You know, I, I recently uh, interviewed John McEntee for uh, for the, um, the Holy Mountain magazine. And uh, it was really cool to talk to that guy in person, you know.
1: Yeah, uh, Incantation, I, I listened to the last record and I was really surprised by it. I thought it was very, very cool. Um, and I think John is also in Tribe uh, of Pazuzu, and I had uh, Nick Saggias from Tribe of Pazuzu on my my show um, probably September time. And he's a fucking cool dude, and that's a great band as well. Really, really, really awesome. Yeah.
0: Have you heard that uh, that super group that um, that Petrov was in, Firespawn?
1: No, uh, it was it was something that I, I thought when when the news came out, uh, you know, that I, I need to actually I need to actually look into, but it was it was something that I never really spent much time with. Um, I, I think in part because around about the time that it came out, you know, probably eighty percent of my time was spent listening to, to black metal, um, you know, so it was just not something that would immediately sort of be on my my list of priorities, but. Um, uh, you know just, just based on the album art alone I think it's definitely worth,
0: worth giving it a go yeah it's pretty cool I mean it's got like dudes from Dark Funeral in it and uh, you know it's like yeah I would cross over into that black metal realm yeah
1: I, I know, so it's got um, it's got Mutter, Moden from uh, The Fleshed in uh, it has got Frederick Forcare from um, Unleashed so I mean yeah a real, like, crazy pedigree of people in the band. Uh, but, for, I mean, for me, when it came to Entombed, the, the the first three records were the main ones for me. And I know uh, LG didn't didn't sing on Fantastine. Uh, but, um, I mean, that, to me, is one of the best Entombed, Entombed records. And, and I have since also really developed a love for Left Hand Path.
0: Yeah, Left Hand Path was great. Uh, you know, I, I really, that, that's, like, probably my second favorite record by them. Uh, the first being obviously uh wolverine blues um you know you know that the band morbid that um that death was in not that, yeah not, not dead uh, not death dead dead from dead wolverine. yeah yeah, yeah. Pe- Petra played drums in that holy shit i didn't know that yeah yeah there's um you can buy those demos like there's like uh i don't know if it's like i have mp3s of the morbid demos I think you can get it on like Bandcamp or something like that. Yeah. And uh, awesome, raw, just uh, what you would expect, you know, from from Dead. You know, very depressing lyrics, you know, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm just actually looking at uh, Metal Archives now, and I'm I'm just spotting it. I'll definitely need to check that out. And by the way, just side note, main appreciation time, I still think. I know you and I spoke about it at the time. I still think Demon is one of the best records of the last several years. It is. Um, I, I am amazed by how that band continue to deliver great music, you know, after such a lengthy career and, and stay relevant. I think one of the one of the hardest things to do for any band of that tenure is to is to make music that kind of still stands out ahead of or stands ahead of the pack. Because I mean, the pack, especially in black metal. Uh, of, of Seriously Hungry. I mean, there's so, so many good bands. Uh, but, you know, Mayhem for me are just, they're, they're in a league of their own.
0: I, w- I would say their last two records are, are pretty fucking amazing, in my opinion,
1: man. I agree. I, I, I love this, Terek Warfare. I, I even loved uh, Ordo Arkeo. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but um, I defy anyone to listen to that album, you know, back to It's One of those, those records you have to listen to back to back. You can't... You, you you can't just kind of you know put on one track in the background and then you know go 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 off and do it uh, you know do, go do something else. It, it requires a, a lot of concentration and probably a lot of patience. But there's a track on there called Illuminate. Illuminate. If if you do nothing else and, you, and you're hearing this, listen to that song because it is fucking brilliant.
0: What uh, What are your thoughts on some of the later Entombed stuff? Like, did you uh, you check out Entombed AD?
1: Yeah, I did. I was never quite as taken by that. Um, I think the, the last album by two Intu- that I really spent any you know, significant period of time with was, a- was actually Inferno. Uh, and that was because um, I think it's because I was so blown away by them when I saw them live. You know, you, you, sometimes when you, when you have that kind of an experience, you, you go back and you, you listen over um, you know, the things that they've done. I like Morningstar that came out in 2001 a lot as well. Um, But after that, uh, you know, they kind of fell away from me a little bit. Um, You know, I think I I probably listened to Bells of Earth, which was which was the last Tooblady record once or twice. Um, But uh, 2019, I mean, that was a crazy year for music. Um, You know, that that was we just spoke about Demon now. it was the year Demon came out. Um, There was so much good stuff that came out in that year. It, it, It becomes hard to to prioritize certain bands and i've kind of gotten i've gone away from the point where i'll i'll listen to or spend any amount of time with the band just because i'm nostalgic or you know i used to like stuff or i like the earlier stuff if, you know if I'm, if I'm not blown away inside of
0: three songs
1: then you know i'll move on to something else
0: yeah man so what do you got uh in store for everybody on uh into the necrosphere anything cool coming up <laughs> Um,
1: so I've got a couple of people in the pipeline. I'm actually going to hit episode 100, uh, this year. Oh,
0: um, and I, I have
1: a, yeah, thanks. And I've got, It was never the plan to do a hundred episodes. So I'm fucking shocked that I'm here. Um, but I, I've got a, like a very short wish list of people that I would love to have on the show. Um, one of them I've spoken to their, um, their manager and the, the, the person has said it should be okay. Um, and I'll, uh, I'll, I can, I can divulge the name of the, of the band, but uh, hope, hopefully that doesn't jinx it. But um, it, I'm, I'm hopefully going to have uh, Nick from Paradise Lost on, uh, on for episode 100. If he can't make it, then I'll try and find somebody else. But I'm such a fucking mark for Paradise Lost. It's ridiculous. So, so to have him on would be awesome. Um, and then I've got a few others in the pipeline. Um, I've, I've been desperate to speak to Adam Agius of a band called Alchemist out of Australia. Uh, we actually had time scheduled to talk uh, at the back end of last year, but he has something that came up, so we're probably going to try and do that in the next couple of weeks. Um, I've had a very cool band from, uh, or we just signed to Apocalyptic Witchcraft. They're going to be on the show pretty soon as well. Um, I need to remind myself of their name. Um, this is this is purely down to me me growing old, and I don't have I don't. I'm not able to remember everything quite as much as I used to. Uh, Ageless Oblivion. So very very cool band who will we'll definitely be on. And then uh, I'll, I'll definitely have uh, back on the show Sam Bean of Werewolves and the Antichrist Imperium. He and I recorded a nearly three-hour marathon, uh, and probably like one of my favorite episodes that I've done. Uh, you know, alongside the episodes I've done with you. And I, you know, if uh, if you'll be back on, I would definitely love you back on as well.
0: You can count on me anytime, man. I, you know, I, uh, you know, actually, to be honest with you, I don't into the necrosphere really is literally the only other music podcast that i listen to like i i i, That's, I generally don't that listen a, a yeah. To be yeah dude i i i my podcasting tastes i listen to uh you know stuff about ufos um you know mma shows you know general general news related stuff about you know like politics and things like that and uh you know, like, that's really it, man. I don't, I don't really listen. I, oh, horror. There's like a bunch of horror podcasts. I like, you know, there's like a, the cults podcast, which is yeah. about, you know, different cults and everything, but I don't listen to a lot of music related stuff. And I think probably because for the last couple of years, I've been, you know, just knee deep and doing my own music stuff, like in the podcasting realm, but yours, I find very, um, you know, very, very, uh, engaging. And I think maybe cause you and I are friends and and I like your style of, of uh, talking to people, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, well dude, I, I I really appreciate that. And you know, it's like I said to you, I, I literally the, the philosophy with the podcast is I hit record and, and, and we go. And <laughs> we go wherever the conversation takes us. Um, and unfortunately, I mean I've only had two episodes where I would say, you know, it was a really it was really difficult to, to tease a conversation out of the person. Um, but then you also have, you know, once like I, I had a really fun conversation with Johnny Kelly of Typo Negative, I'm an enormous Typo Negative fan, so to have him on was awesome. You know, it's slightly off the, the beaten path for what I would normally do on the show, but, uh, you know, it's my show, so I, I'll do what I want. Yeah.
0: But like I said,
1: you know, some of the ones you and I have done, you know, were super fun. Uh, the one with Sam Bean was, was awesome. Um, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, what, what, I, what I like most probably is when, I, I get a I get an unsigned band on, or I get a band that's you know slightly lower profile, and you you have them come back to you and go, we've had like five six people, you know, say to us on Bandcamp that we bought that they bought the record because they heard it on your show. So that to me is is it's kind of part of part of giving it you know giving something back to the show. Like I've said I've said many times before, I'm never going to have a Patreon, I'm never going to ask people for money or any such shit. This is totally for me and to, to relax on. It's it's an escape from work, and and, you know I've been fortunate that I've been able to make some pretty good friends along the way
0: as well. You know, you you included. Oh, thank you, man. You know, it's the the feelings mutual, and uh, you know I'm going to share this bit of information with everybody out there. Uh, My first uh, choice when I was asked about who would replace me on Metal Matters was was you. You know that.
1: Yeah. Well, I didn't I didn't know the the first choice, but I mean I was so um, I was. I was so gobsmacked when I got the message from you saying you uh, well, I'm interested in doing it. I, and the thing is, I, I I wouldn't mind doing it if I could go somewhere and basically just take it into the necrosphere as is and it just gets put out by somebody else.
0: Yeah, no, I uh, I, I, I I dig that, man. I understand that for sure. But yeah, like, I mean, I've got I've got an idea with the show, and I don't really want to
1: change it. You know, I don't want to ever do like a like something where there's an expectation that I'm going to speak to certain people. I'm going to play so to push certain kinds of music or whatever the case may be. I mean, that's quite why I got away from, uh, you know, writing for websites, is, is I was getting mm-hmm. nagged and hassled about doing reviews for bands that I thought were shit. It was like, I mean, how many more times can I say this Swedish melodic death metal band sounds like every other Swedish melodic death metal band, and they're garbage.
0: Yeah, I, I completely retired from writing rock music journalism, uh a couple of years ago and the only time i really the only outlet i write for these days when it comes to music is uh is the holy mountain magazine which is a print only magazine by the way and um usually that's because for the same reasons it's like i was i was trying to like tour and write and do other odd jobs for to make a living for a while and uh I'm like, huh, I need a few hundred dollars this month to uh, make rent. So let me, who can I, who can, who can I interview? Or what record can I write about? And I just got really sad, you know, and, and I felt my passion for writing kind of like disintegrating like with that sort of mentality. And uh, so, yeah, I, I like to be like a little bit more selective about what I write about. Like, for example, like, you know, doing a piece on incantation or, you know, interviewing Steven Von Till from a Neurosis, you know, an integrity piece, like that's like right up my alley. And Danny is, asks me to do these things because he knows what, where, where my interests lie. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm happy doing that. And, um, you know, I, I got another, another gig as a regular job to do, which pays my bills. And uh, that's kind of how it is these days. Uh, that's the thing for
1: me too. I mean, I, I have a fucking busy job, and especially now that I'm you know managing people in the, in the states and in uh, Central America, it's like, you know, I work 14, 15 hour days some days. I, yeah. I don't I don't have the patience all the time to have to listen to something I don't want to listen to or you know review something that I have no interest in. You know, it's kind of this has to be something that that's completely for me. I think that the, the turning point for me and I stopped writing back in like two thousand I think 2010, 2011. It might have been a little later than that. The turning point for me actually was I, I got it, bizarrely enough, I got it, the, the first Death Groups mixtape, um, and I got so into the album that I, I actually ended up missing all my deadlines for reviews that month because it was like, for the first time in a while, I had just I just concentrated on one piece of music rather than this kind of conveyor belt of reviewing, you know, one record and then, boom, you know move on to the next. And that kind of made me just realize, it's like I've missed out on so much, so much cool stuff, because I literally, I literally only listen to a record three, four times, write the review, and then move on to the next one. And I was like, I can't have that. I need to go back to, I need to go back to enjoying music the way that I used to. And uh, that, that's why I stopped.
0: That's awesome, man. And you know, it's like integrity. You know, it's just like you do, you don't want to like, kind of half-ass your way through things. You want to give your full attention to, to something and and that's i think that you know the product suffers unless you're passionate about it
1: yeah no i, I uh i totally agree yeah and the thing is music to me is so important i mean you know part of what, what got me to to hi-fi is is the uh, you know is, is the love of music and wanting to hear music in a certain way uh um, sure. you know but again music has to be something for me that it, it that that's it's not it's not something I do for a living because I think if, if music became something I did for a living, uh, you know, it, it would bring with it package that I, I think would, um, you know, would spoil it for me. Um, you know, it would take the shine off of it. And so that's why I would, you know, it, it, I kind of try and keep it very separate from anything that I do. That's
0: existential. Well, thanks a lot, man. I, I appreciate you being, uh, you know, part of the new era of everything went black and, um, you know, you've already been a uh, part of uh, some of these efforts and I really appreciate you coming back on the show. Oh man, anytime any, any you
1: want me, I'm, I'm happy to come on and uh, you know, the the door is open to you anytime to come on to into the Necrosphere. And again, I mean, I'm just so fucking chuffed by the stuff that you said before. I uh, you know, if, uh, if this was a video podcast, I'd pro- probably be blushing, but uh, I really appreciate it, man. And, um, you know, and like I said, the, uh, one of the best parts of doing the podcast is, you know, those kind of unexpected people that you hit it off with and you become friends with. So, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely happy that uh, that we've met and you know that the, the, the we
0: hit it off and uh, you know, long may last. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, stay tuned for next week. And we'll talk to you soon.